0: This station is being brought to you via Nullsoft Shoutcast streaming technology. For more information, visit shoutcast, Shoutcast.com.
1: This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci Fi
0: Podcast Network, TSFN.com. Who's the
1: 501st? Hi, this is Jay Thompson, producer and director of Heart of an Empire, the documentary. You're listening to Star Wars in Direct.
2: StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars fan audio on the internet. It's your home for Star Wars fan audio genre news, a comprehensive catalog of fan-made Star Wars radio shows, parody tales, and serious audio dramas. With behind-the-scenes features, a message board, reviews, tutorials, convention coverage, an internet movie database-style directory of the entire Star Wars fan audio community, and the only fan audio community-recognized Star Wars Fan Audio Academy Awards held each year. StarWarsFanWorks.com. Fandom has a whole new sound.
0: Galactic Hunter. The place where you can find the latest Star Wars collectible news from all around the world. From the Hasbro and Kenner lines of action figures, to comics, games, prop collectibles, and events. Everything is covered and reviewed. Join our fan community in the Bounty Hunter Collective forums and find all your bounties at www.galactichunter.com. Galactic Hunter. Keeping collectors on target. Every collector deserves the best. That's why our main goal at Federation Toys is to guarantee the highest quality items for the lowest prices. Yes, of course. Come buy Federation Toys for Star Wars collectibles. Satisfaction guaranteed Yes, right. Roger, roger. All Star Wars and direct listeners will
3: get a 5% discount on their purchases.
0: Star Wars on Direct is brought to you by SimpleNet. With SimpleNet, obtain a low cost advertising for your company or, quite simply, a space to put your personal website online. Join us at www.simple net.ca. chairman's transmissions. Communications disruption can mean only one thing.
1: Here they come. The project's happening, mm-hmm. it's pulling it in.
3: You may fire when ready.
0: Commit primary ignition.
4: And welcome to Star Wars Direct, the voice of Star Wars Fandom, edition of June 21st, 2005. Of course, I'm joined here today by the producer, Danny. Hello. And Brian, the wonderful voice. Hello. Over there. And the main subject today is going to be something very special that we've been... Well, we've been going after for the past five years. (laughs) Four years. Four years. An interview with Michael A. Stackpole. That's right. So We had the honor to meet him back in 2001, One. and uh, now we finally got him to come on the show, and he's got something very, very special and very big to
5: announce. Basically, so our show, did our show exist when we met him? The first time, no. Well, the yeah, the, the he, he, he recorded it. Yeah, you recorded it. You're right. So, But he did two, two chats with us. Yeah, he did two chats with us. So, back York, in the days yeah.
4: when Merck was po- was still popular. Yeah. <laughs> what am I saying? It's still popular. So, of course, we're going to have the polls today and uh, the community update, as well as a little bit of collecting news. I did my homework just mm-hmm. before the show, as usual. <laughs> That's not I did. And Brian's going to tell you right now, you can contact us.
3: You can contact us by email, by emailing hey, us at studio at com. You can reach by MSN Messenger, writing the user Direct at Hotmail.com. You can reach us in a manner of different ways on starsendirect.com through the chat, by looking at us in the webcam, by, uh, you can call us as well, send the telephone number to through MSN, and you can join our news group, and we also have a message board.
5: Exactly. And you can leave comments on the blog. now.
4: we I got don't. something special now, because StarWars.com has finally enabled the comments opportunity for bloggers, so you can drop by the Star Wars on Direct blog on StarWars.com, aka blogs.starwars.com slash SWD, and just drop a little comment like uh Further Anonymous did. Thank you very much for that wonderful comment. And, of course, we want to mention to you that uh, there is... Might still be some sound card crashing We uh, never events. know it's, it's, it's just a random Odyssey Every show we do <laughs> it's, it's never the it same It's always fun It keeps
5: our <laughs> adrenaline r-
4: rushing rushing. <laughs> is it going to go eh? No it's ok <laughs> So there you go uh, we got a new staff
5: member yes.
4: And uh, I need a producer
5: Yes our new staff member is I need to pronounce it correctly Peter Clausen He's going to be in charge of the podcast Yes, we have a new podcast The page is not set yet On the uh, SWN Direct website But it should be later tonight or tomorrow And uh, the podcast is already working uh, We will tell you more information At the end of the show Because Mike will mention something So it's relating to that there you go. Also, uh. Poke the fans, then. poke the fans. <laughs> That's it. Poke, poke. Uh, also, uh, we're still looking for public relations people, so, uh, if you want to help us during convention or whatever, uh, spreading the word, you can send an email to studio at swendirect.com, uh, or info at swendirect.com and we'll see what we can do. Also, uh, for all those people who want to uh, ask uh, Michael A. Stackpole a question, you can send your question right now to studio at swendirect.com uh, via MSN Messenger, or if you're in the chat, into my room too. That's right. So that's basically it. There
4: you go. And I also want to mention quickly before we go to the the transition uh, that uh, if you've got questions. And uh, you send them through MSN, don't, don't just expect an answer as of right when you send it, because we're kind of busy here. <laughs> uh, hence the busy sign on the, uh, on the, on the MSN. Uh, little happy figure.
0: Master Visto,
3: trust your insight, we do. And welcome to the news section of Star Wars on Direct. I have a couple of very few items today. Um, Aspire, um, a game company, has announced that they are going to be porting the Star Wars Lego video game over to the Mac. Okay. So you can go and pre-order it at their site, Aspire.com.
5: I didn't play that yet.
3: I saw, like, teasers of it, and it looks really fun and goofy. Okay. It looks, you know, interesting. <laughs> Yuck. We also have a few updates on the Star Wars TV show from Rick McCallum. The story obviously is going to take place in 20 years. It takes uh, between episode 3 and 4. It's going to uh, t- talk about a little bit on how characters get to where they are. You didn't really say much about that. And it's also going to uh, tell the story of Luke's childhood. Ooh. So that's interesting. Uh, interesting. Oh, no. Uh, George uh, is going to start working on it as soon as he's finished doing Indiana Jones 4, and it should have about 100 hours uh, worth of... uh
5: So it's still George that's writing it? Yeah. Damn. Or,
3: you know, in charge of it, executive producer. Okay. And there's also going to be 3D versions of all six films in uh, two to three years. Also, uh, the StarWars.com Star has uh, put up a preview of the Star Wars The Ultimate Visual Guides so that you can go check up on on their website. The spreads are amazing. That's the 600-page book? I'm not sure. No? But it's by DK, and it's going to be uh, amazing. Yeah.
5: yeah, I think that's what I, like, ask for Christmas <laughs> already. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs>
3: So, you can go check out uh, the previews on my, the website, on starwars.com, and there are a, uh, know, there's six of them, I think, a few from you know, the original trilogy and the unoriginal trilogy, and also from the expanded universe. It's due out in October.
4: And this Dead Air Moment was brought to you by Snickers. Grab one if you're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know, it just came to me. <laughs> so, what's happening in the community world, ladies and gentlemen? Well, the From Tattooing to Phoenix exhibit is going to be from July 1st to 4th to the Kruger Street Toy and Train Museum. Uh, you can uh, go to the, fan, uh, to the force.net and uh, check out all the details. Or to the Kruger Street Toy and Train Museum. Website for there, that information I'll just let you guess The website Or you can just type Kruger Street Toy and Train Museum On Google And you'll find it pretty easily uh, I also want to announce uh, Right now that Lucas Will be talking at CyGraph. George Lucas What CyGraph Will be a keynote Q&A With the father of digital cinema uh, SciGraph is actually This big big convention For people who are really into uh, Technology Technology of uh, Like Visual. evolution of visuals and stuff okay. like that. So it's, it's, it's kind of cool. Cygraph is like a nice place to be if you're into developing websites and animations and stuff like that. It's cool. It's cool. It costs like about 500 bucks a ticket or something.
5: Okay. <laughs> it's like World Fantasy Con. Like it's a big expensive contest. Yeah, it's a cool.
4: It's, it's more like for private. professionals. Yeah, and professionals and stuff like that. Uh, you gotta tune in next week, folks, because uh, we're gonna have a Fantastic Four contest. Happening during Ooh. the show, Brian's like, "What the fuck's happening?" <laughs> <laughs> Flame on. <laughs> but for the uh, Montreal, for the Montreal region, and uh, maybe two or four of our lucky
5: listeners from Montreal area. Do uh, do we have we'll listeners from the Montreal area? <laughs> I hope <laughs> you. I yeah. so hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have
4: the chance to come and uh, assist to the premiere of Fantastic Four. The next release of uh, Fox Cinema with us. Yes. Cool. So there you go. And uh, I also want to mention the fact that, yours truly, will be at uh, the uh, Toronto Trek convention from July 15th to the 17th. And on uh, the 16th will be the Geek of Star Wars, so basically, uh, Star Wars uh, Trivial Pursuit kind of uh, contest going on. With the championship round leading up to the Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. And uh, I'm also going to be in two other Star Wars panels at that convention. I'm going to be in Star Wars Prelude to Episode 2 uh, with our good friend from Toronto, Tessa Wuggillo. And uh, Revenge of the Sith, the movie itself. And uh, they should be at 10 a.m. on Sunday. And 11 a.m. on Sunday, the 17th.
5: However... Sebastian will be on over us. <laughs> Yo, there's that. But
4: <laughs> However, uh, yours truly has been asked to be part of the um, people uh, conducting the charity auction of the convention that uh, this year. So they might be pushed over. We're not sure exactly what's going to be happening with that. But we're looking into it and we're awaiting a little bit more uh, details about that.
5: Cool. And maybe something off-subject. Uh My subscription to space ran out, and I didn't receive the, a renewal notice.
3: Oh shit, when's mine going to run out? Because I want to renew mine. <laughs> I want get, to keep getting inside.
5: Just check out... uh check your account, because I... Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm not the only one Who didn't receive a notice That's it d so Bond didn't receive one either <laughs> Probably but For in instance a, a, uh, There was a guy in Sweden Okay On, on some boards so.
4: so Check it out man It's
5: if For those of you Who want to know How to,
4: to know When you're inside Your subscription And basically uh, hyperspace hyperspace yeah. and everything. Star Wars fan club, official fan club uh, subscription runs out. Take a look on the, the the plastic sheet that your insider comes into. It says good for uh, good until September or something until issue, and that's that's where it says so. Do they
3: still do they let you do two years subscription at a time? Or is nope, only nope. One year Not or for later? international. That's stupid.
5: Yeah, we're international. Are yeah. really international? Well, we're Canadians. But we're it's just See, not Americans. Every other so.
3: organization sees America as actually being a continent, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a country.
4: Yeah. Well, what do you anyway. want to do about that? <laughs> And into the collecting world, ladies and gentlemen uh, Two Comic Con been have been uh, announced in the past few weeks uh, There's going to be an exclusive Yoda Black Chrome Small lightsaber from Master Replica that's going to be there And uh, Gentle Giant will also have a Django Fit Mini Bust over there It's going to be a Silver Edition Mini Bust Hopefully it's not going to be hidden in the box that you're going to have to Is that a good one? Is that a good one? <laughs> No, it's the yeah.
3: same thing As Celebration yeah. 3 Where you run in As soon as you get there yeah. And you yeah. go line up To get one of their tickets
5: That's right There you go But I think they're selling The, like Leia hologram figure You can yeah. order it Before and Order it. Pre-order yeah. it And you just yeah. go there And pick it up At the uh, So right. That's brilliant Probably they heard All the fans uh, From C3 Yes <laughs> Most probably <laughs> <laughs> I think it was loud enough for- Across <laughs>
4: And, um, of course, uh, Father's Day F- Father's Day was just this past weekend, and uh, if a uh, few lucky of you actually got to go to the theater with your father, uh, you get to have a really nice later who's your daddy poster. And cool. they didn't have this here in Canada, so I couldn't well, take I my know. daddy. We're international. Yeah, that's right. You got it. <laughs> We're tagged. We're tagged as international, so we just don't count. And, uh, number one of the C3 exclusive posters from Code 3, the Empire Strikes Back posters, uh, in 3D things, mm-hmm. uh, is actually on sale on eBay right now. There are six days left, and it's up to $650 as we speak. Yeah. How much was it at C3? Uh, was it less something than like that? Less like, than that. It was, it was like 100 or 200, something like that?
5: Probably, yeah. Yeah. It I don't think well, right. it's sure. eleven. Uh, it's eight by eleven, so it's not yeah. that big. No, no. I so, yeah.
4: so actually, actually, I'm sorry. It w- it's six days left and 15 hours, and it's up to 560 bucks US. And they have 96.3 positive feedback on eBay information. So somebody w- didn't receive their stuff <laughs> correctly or something. <laughs> I don't know. But it's number one of the Celebration exclusives exclusive the poster. Very cool. So limited to 1980 and whole number. Wow. So that's that's kind of funny and pictured of. And for epi- for, for Return of the Jedi, the one they're going to make about Return of the Jedi, is going to be like 1983. Uh, oh, very cool. I'm guessing so. So for more collecting news, feel free to listen on to the next show, where I will do my homework and check out com and make sure that I get all the info. Actually,
3: Sebastian, you did miss something in particular. There's uh, Hasbro's releasing in, in October... A, build your own lightsaber kit for kids, and then you can assemble your different lightsaber from different bits and pieces. Kind of like
0: a Lego set.
5: Okay. To become a Jedi, yes. you have to build your lightsaber. Exactly. Yes.
4: That's coming in October. Do you, know that, do you know what's what, that, what that's going to do? It's, it's just going to creep a lot of people. Like you guys, cause I'm gonna build, I'm gonna take like three of those kids and build like a
5: <laughs> fucking huge, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna build his lightsaber during the show. No, Look <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> guys, I got a new lightsaber. They're coming out with
4: some new Force Bathlands, uh, f- well, Force Bathers, uh, they got Chewie coming up, uh, they Force have- Force Battlers? Yeah, they're so like these. big anime kind of figures, okay. uh, semi 12 inch, and it's for- Do you think that's what's replacing
3: the Collector's 12-inch dolls, like Barbie doll things, that Hasbro is discontinuing? The Unleashed? No, no, no. no, no, no. no. Like 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 my Jango. They're getting their signature series. I don't
5: know. I hope not. Collector's are all pissed off. I hope not.
3: There's even a petition on the Rebel Scum and TFN.
4: Wow. Mm-hmm. Just that bad. And uh, they got Chewie, they got the clone with the, uh, basically the negative of the, uh, Vader shield with the Imperial logo on it. And, uh, they have Mace Windu coming up as well. And the other thing that's coming up from, uh, is that Asbro? Yeah, I think it's Asbro. The Jedi Force. Yeah, Jedi Force from Asbro. And, uh, you've got uh, Han Solo coming up with a Jet Speeder. You got Chewie with, uh, Time it's an helicopter thing. It looks like a chopper thing. <laughs> and you've got Anakin Skywalker and his Jedi pod for speedy rescues. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just want to put it on the floor, take a golf, golf like, club, and golf club, and just like swing it as hard as you can. <laughs> take an iron four, man. Drive it hard. <laughs> Drive it hard. There you go this concludes the (laughs) marvelous collector's news (laughs) of course I gotta go on so now we're gonna go to a short musical break and uh, we are gonna listen to some tune
5: called I Wish You Were Here by Incubus and we'll be right back to Star Wars on Direct and don't forget if you have questions send them in my room too.
0: This show is part of the out-of-this-world entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com. Every collector deserves the best. That's why our main goal at Federation Toys is to guarantee the highest quality items for the lowest prices. Yes, of course. Come buy Federation toys for Star Wars collectibles. Satisfaction. guaranteed. Sure. Yes, my boy. Roger, roger. All Star Wars and direct listeners will get a 5% discount
6: on their purchases.
0: At SimpleNet, you will get, at a very reasonable cost, an advertising space for your company, a website built for you by your team of professionals, or quite simply, a space to put your personal site online. The online gamers are not forgotten. We can offer fixed prices of bandwidth, as well as solutions for turnkey pre-configured game servers. Join us at www.simple-net.ca.
1: This is Matthew Stover, author of the Revenge of the Sith novelization, and you are listening to Star Wars On Direct.
4: Welcome back to Star Wars On Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. And uh, we're joined uh, right about now with Michael A. Stackpole, a very cool guy. Let me introduce him for you. He's the award winning New York Times best selling game designer, computer game designer. Sci-Fi and Star Wars are best known to us Star Wars fan for his many novels In the X-Wing series and the NGO Dark Tide duology As well as of course I, Jedi Well, Star Wars on direct Welcomes Michael A. Stackpole Welcome to the show Michael Glad to be here So the first question I have to ask you It's the first question we ask everyone who comes on the show What was your first Star Wars experience And what did you feel How do you remember it How do you remember it
1: Well, the first Star Wars experience, I I remember, was literally the the Christmas before it was released. On Christmas Eve, my brother and a friend of ours and I had done our Christmas shopping, and so to kill time, we went out to see a movie, and it was Clint Eastwood's movie, The Gauntlet. A a very forgettable movie, except that it was shot in Phoenix, which is where I happen to be right now. Um, And they had a trailer for Star Wars. And it totally blew me away. And uh, the next day at Christmas, I got a, I got a uh, gift certificate for a, uh, to a bookstore. And I went down and bought the novelization of Star Wars. And I thought that was very cool. And then um, when the movie was coming out, uh, I was working for my father at the time. So I took the day off. And uh, the first showing in Burlington, Vermont, was 11 o'clock in the morning. There were 17 of us in the theater. And we were absolutely blown away. I mean, when that, and you've probably heard this billions of times, when that first Star Destroyer comes in and keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and just explodes out the sides of the screen, that was that changed filmmaking forever. <laughs> and, and it was just cool. And what was very funny was that uh, I had gone with another, one of my dad's partners, his son also worked there, and so he and I had taken a day off and gone. Two nights later, we were back, and we were taking uh, our supervisor to the movie, and the theater was packed. Absolutely packed. So, you know, you could see right from there. I mean, it was just off on a rocket, as it were.
5: I- I'm surprised that there was only 17 people at the first well, showing.
1: Well, this this was in Vermont. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, the, the fact that, uh, you know, you have to remember, I think, literally when the first reviews of the movie came out, they were really kind of lukewarm.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, you know, people were not expecting big things. It, you, when you think about Star Wars as a movie, it's, it's not the kind of movie that's going to appeal to the critics. And it was the critics who would set the tone for things. And it, it's kind of fun that Star Wars was, was really the first of many films where the critics would deride the films because they were just special effects extravaganzas, extravaganzas but, the, uh, but the audience just loved them. I mean, you know, it was the same thing with Raiders of the Lost Ark.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that you heard not word one about it until it hit the theater. And then all of a sudden, bang, I mean, that just exploded. <laughs>
4: Alright, so tell us a little bit more about yourself, your life, your career, how did you get to become involved in writing, and how you were invited to write for Lucasfilm.
1: Well, I've always wanted to write, I mean, even when I was a young kid, uh, I would, would write stories, and uh, my my grandfather, my mother's father, had actually written a book that got published in 1937 in Vermont, a uh, little, little tiny press there published it collection of, of uh, legal anecdotes. So, you know how when you're growing up you always have role models and it seemed that, you know, I would be either a doctor or a lawyer or a school teacher, but there was always that little chance that I could be a writer. You know, that was that was acceptable. And uh that's the one that I ended up going for. I went through the University of Vermont and uh got a degree in history and was all set to teach but I'd also done some game design with a company out here in Arizona. And so after I graduated from college, I moved out to Arizona to work for them. Uh, I kept writing. And I had written a fantasy novel called Once a Hero, which I sent off to Bantam Books. And uh, an editor there, Janice Silverstein, wanted to buy it, but it was her first week as an editor. And her supervising editor wouldn't let her buy it. But she remembered me, and years later I met her, and we actually, Alien Revenant was the book I tried to sell her. Years later I met her and talked to her at a convention, and she ended up buying Once a Hero from me. And so uh, Bantam was publishing Once a Hero, and they had started obviously doing the Star Wars book. So my agent talked to her about Star Wars and the possibility of my getting a Star Wars novel. And at the same time, and I I didn't really understand what was going on, another editor at Bantam had called me up and asked me about computer games, because I'd done computer games, and whether or not they should buy a license based on a computer game. So I kind of walked her through the fact that, you know, I felt that computer gamers were not really readers, and, you know, there really wasn't going to be that big of a market for that sort of thing. And at the end of the call, she said, well, thank you very much. You know, it's really too bad because we were going to buy a license to the Star Wars X-Wing game. And I said, oh, Star Wars, buy it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not a computer game. That's Star Wars. You know, There's like, a difference. don't let me talk you out of this. So I, you know, I and I heard nothing more about it for several months. And the, uh, um, the first thing I heard about it, it was very funny because Jana, and uh, Janet was still my editor at Bantam, and she had been sideswiped by a car. So she was; had been out of the office for a couple of weeks, and I was trying to sell her some work and uh, trying to sell her some novels, that another publisher had dropped. And uh, it was a, I remember it was Monday night, and, and when she and I were talking, and she was on Painkillers, and I said uh, she was going to tell me something. There was information, she, and she starts saying, You know, I probably shouldn't tell you this. And I said, no, 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 just, you know, don't say anything because you're on painkillers. I don't want you to do anything you shouldn't do. Mm
6: -hmm.
1: Well, the next morning, uh, about six in the morning, Arizona time, I get a call from my agent who says, Phantom just offered you four Star Wars novels. I said, you said yes. (laughs) And a little bit later, I got a call from Jana, and uh, I picked up the phone, and it was just her humming the theme to Star Wars. (laughs) <laughs> and that was it and uh, the other thing which was very cool about that is, is I was just about to go off to a convention in Mississippi uh, a convention called CoastCon, mm-hmm. and here I had these four Star Wars books well everybody kept coming up to me at the convention congratulating me on getting a trilogy and I had to explain no it's four books and I realized that up to that point all the Star Wars books have been done in trilogies yeah So I had an advantage. So this is why, when you come down, uh, to the end of the Kratos trap, you get the whole, the the standard thing out of Star Wars, right? Everybody, everybody's standing around, the music plays, everybody gets a medal, and everybody's Mm -hmm. happy. And, and I knew one of the great fantasies that every Star Wars fan has, aside from Princess Leah, in the, in the costume in Java's Palace. Mm -hmm. The, The other fantasy they have, is that Luke Skywalker will turn to them and say, the Force runs strong in your family. Come be a Jedi. I mean, who wouldn't love that? Mm-hmm. And so I said, I can play with that. And uh, so that's why in the end of Kratos Trap, that he turns to Corin and says, hey, you know, come be a Jedi with me. And I knew that every reader would be sitting there going, yes, Gore, this is great. <laughs> which, is, which is why after two paragraphs, Corin says, nope, sorry, got other things to do. And, you know, the whole of Rogue Squadron resigns, and they go off to fight the Bacta War. Um, but I, but because I knew it was a trilogy, because I knew everybody was expecting it all to end, when they come to the end of that, and that little bombshell gets dropped, everybody was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <I> can't <laughs> say no to Luke. Yeah. Um,
4: nice. Okay. Uh, the last time we spoke to you, that was four years ago. Right. Uh we were still under radio set plan, and ever since then, we've evolved very, very much. And uh, i got to say, I've got to ask a question through Jedi Talk at the same time. Um, what have you been doing since the last time we spoke, beside your latest project, which we will mention a bit later? Sure. And how's the, how's the soccer team going?
1: Ah. Well, the soccer team, let's see, we, we won on Sunday, and, and I was uninjured. Um, a couple games ago I did get thrown out of a game Um, it was certainly not my fault but you know I grew up playing hockey Mm -hmm. and there was another player on the team who was a real jerk (laughs) and and this guy had taken a shot point blank that almost took the head off of one of our women and he was in the corner I mean we play indoors he was in the corner, it was like being in an hockey rink and and the ball came right back out to him so I kind of you know, went through him. <laughs> and uh, so they decided that I should leave the field at that point. And, and he had to leave the field, too, so that was okay. Okay. Yeah, so that so was good, you know, because he'd actually, he'd, he'd hacked another one of our players, you know. This is really weird when you get a penalty like that, and you go into the box, and other guys on your team are giving you high fives and thanking you. <laughs> <laughs> kind of mixed messages there. I'm, I'm glad there were no children watching.
4: <laughs> and apart from soccer? What's that? And apart from soccer, what else have you been up to? Uh,
1: well, mostly what I've been doing is, is uh, working fairly hard. I uh, did a four-book series called the Dragon Crown War series, uh, and uh, that finished up, I think, a year ago. And then I just started into a new uh, series, a trilogy of fantasy novels. And the first one of those came out in March, and it's called uh, Secret Atlas. And I am just now doing the edits on the second volume in that series. Um, I'll be doing another BattleTech novel this year that'll come out next year, mm-hmm. um, and then I got a couple of projects that are just kind of hanging fire. I did complete. I, I worked with um, another writer here in town, a man named Brian Polito, who is the creator of Lady Death and Evil Ernie, and he and I have done a movie script that's being shopped around in in or going to be shopped around in a couple months in in Hollywood, and the movie is called Gone, and it's about uh, a California couple that uh, comes to Arizona for a peaceful uh, vacation, but they get stuck in the desert and they're being hunted by a lot of very hungry animals.
6: Um, So
1: that was a lot of fun. That was the first time I'd ever done a screen fly, and that was a very cool thing to do. Um, And pretty much the only other project that I've got going is um, I do a writing newsletter called The Secret. At conventions, I tend to teach writing workshops, and a lot of people, you know, will come up and ask questions about writing. So I decided to start doing this writing newsletter so that, uh, you know, people who were interested but didn't go to conventions, couldn't come to these workshops, uh, could benefit from the wisdom that I've learned from other writers and, and through my career. All right.
4: I, I want to congratulate you on the extremely good job you did on Ghost War, the first novel of the MechWarrior Dark Age series. Oh, thank you. I just love that, that book.
1: That book was a lot of fun to do, especially because since it's full first person and the first section of it, the impression you get of our hero is that he's really not a very bright guy. <laughs> um, and then as the book goes on, you begin to see that that was, you know, an assumed role and, and how those things unfold. And that was, um, that was a lot of fun for me uh, to do that. So.
4: Great. It actually leads in pretty well with the next questions we have to ask because uh, we're going to be asking you about writing Star Wars. And uh, your last work within the Star Wars universe was Illusion Illusions. Right. And uh, we're wondering, what was it like to write in the Clone War prequel era and use a character such as Ella Secura?
1: Well, it was kind of interesting because they they came to me and said, you know, would you like to write a story using this character? And I said, yeah, it would be way cool and... Um, see I was given the the editor Dave Gross, gave me a couple of suggestions of the kind of stories he thought that Lucasfilm would like to see so I wrote up an an outline for the story that that went along the lines of of what he suggested and I had in the back of my mind the story that ended up getting written well Lucasfilm bounced the outline for the first story and I, I forget why but they said what else have you got and so you know here i rolled out this story that you know tied into the whole Korn Horn family background and 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 elaborated on characters out of iJedi and and those things so it was really cool i mean i really enjoyed it and it was it's a lot of fun working in the clone wars era because you have um it's a different look it's it's a slightly different feel um and so I really enjoyed that. And it was very cool using the character, too. It's a lot of fun when you get to take character out of the movies or out of the comics and move it into another medium and try and make sure that it stays true to everything that we've seen and everything that we've read.
4: Cool. All right. Uh, in that story, which was written back in 2003, uh, was there any particular reason to use Ellis self-doubt as much as you used it with Karin back in I, Jedi?
1: Um, you know... Pretty much just because it was fun, and I wanted to <laughs> <laughs>
6: that's a good answer <laughs> this
1: is the thing the The really cool thing about any writing is that you have to find something in the story you love doing and something that that will entertain you because if you as a writer aren't entertained, the reader certainly isn't going to be, so you know that was a uh, uh, that was that was part of it. It also was a lot of fun for me, anyway, to, to actually do something where I got to deal with, um, you know, some of the backstory of characters that I'd played with otherwise. Uh, that, to me, is, you know, I realize, and it's going to sound very weird, you know, there is this whole Horn Halcyon, you know, storyline sort of running underneath the Star Wars stuff, at least in the Extended Universe books. Yeah. And and that's just kind of fun, you know, to be able to go back and play with that and have your own multi-generational saga. That's it. Uh, to goop around
4: because there there is actually a character who's from the Horn family in there. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Yep. And uh, speaking of character, Nija Halsin, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. Uh, he was also in the, in the pre- prequel novel Jedi Trail, trial, trial. Yeah.
1: I, di- I didn't know that. I didn't know he got used in that.
4: Yeah. And uh, we learned a bit more about uh, about that character and his interaction with Anakin Skywalker. Oh, so, cool. From your from your reaction, we guess that you didn't read the novel. (laughs) But how do you feel about having one of your creation referenced or used as a main character?
1: I I mean, I think that's really really cool. You know, this is the one fun thing about writing Star Wars and working with the other writers is that across the board, um, I found that the writers have got a lot of respect for each other's work, and we really try and be true to what they're doing. So it's it's really cool to watch these characters being used, these characters being expanded in the same feel as, you know, I was trying to do. So when you're working in someone else's universe, you know that you don't have any rights, any legal rights to those characters. But Lucasfilm has been really nice and, and really been fairly respectful of, you know, trying to make sure that the characters are handled well. And, you know, I've talked to some of the writers who've used Corrin, for example, and they know that they've done a good job with him, uh, so that's you know that's a neat thing.
5: You should pick up a Jedi Trial.
1: Yeah, it, I'll, it have I'll have to. I'll see if I got it downstairs.
5: Yeah. <laughs> it just came out in paperback, so you might want to pick that up instead of the art cover. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or I'll just you know. You know, if somebody at is listening to this, maybe I'll get them to send it to me. That's it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So, which Star Wars novel slash comics are you most proud of, uh, or actually gave you the most pleasure to write?
1: You know, I think that um, uh, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I I really, it's going to sound like I'm trying to say everything is there, but, you know, the 5X-Wing book, as a set, is probably my best series work. Just because I knew I'd learned a lot from doing the um, BattleTech book, so here I was able to put all of that together. So I did really good series work there. You know, I Jedi. There are just parts of I Jedi that I can go back and read over and and just you know be blown away, going, "Whoa, did I write that?" <laughs> um, and then I have to say, you know, the comics. I absolutely loved doing the comics because it was a it was a different medium. And there are so many cool things you can do with comics that you really can't do with a printed word. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really, basically, I'm proud of all the work that I did in the, in the, uh, in the Star Wars universe. And even the, the uh, New Jedi Order stuff, I, I remember very distinctly, and this is funny because I've seen, obviously, Avengers of Sith several times now. <laughs> but I remember I was in the process of writing um, Onslaught, while I, and I got to go to a press screening, for Phantom Menace. okay and this the uh, lightsaber duel in the back of that book, or back of that movie end of that movie blew me away mm-hmm. and I suddenly realized you know now the expectations for a lightsaber duel are so much higher than they were before, yeah, and so I really had to push myself to try and get the lightsaber duels that I was writing into those two books to be visual and uh, to have that fluid motion. And, uh, and again, you know, I had, to, I had to work really hard, and I learned a lot doing that. And that's actually influenced how I've done action scenes in, in a number of other books.
4: Great. All right. And as a writer, as a person, what would you say is your biggest quality and your biggest flaw?
1: Um, let's see. You know, it's, it's tough to look at that because I think the... I mean, the biggest flaw is, is the one that's easier to deal with. Sometimes I, I don't deal enough with big issue pictures. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have had in books, books that will deal with racism and books that will deal with uh, issues like that, but I don't do it enough. I should do it more. Um, so in some ways, I, I don't think large enough when I'm putting a, putting a book together. As for my strengths, um, I think I do really, really good characters. I make characters that come alive. I make characters that people can hate or people can sympathize with or people can um, uh, can understand why they're doing what they're doing. And I think especially when you move across a, a series of books, I also allow characters to grow. I think if you look at the Star Wars novels and you start with Rogue Squadron and you finish with Ruin, you see for and Horn... A complete story arc you know he started at one point he's matured he's grown he's made other decisions and he comes to an end point not of his life but an end point of that arc of what he's learning and who he's become and now he needs to start and change again Um, and I think that's a really cool thing and that's something that I really like about stories and I'm glad that I've got that talent or that I've you know figured out how to do that
4: Okay, so now to go into the NGO, uh, since it's finally over. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, you were you were involved in the first story arc meetings. Uh, Can you give us what big name came up alongside Chewie and Hanakin Solo as candidates for dying in the series?
1: Um, What ended up happening, and this was uh, this was why Chewie got tapped to to die first. Um, We looked at all of the main characters as potential. Uh, characters to be killed off in that first book. And we agreed that the impact of the death of any of those characters would be huge. So then what we looked at and explored was how would we tell the story of the impact of this character's death? And, you know, Chewie got tapped because he was the only character that could, be, could not be a viewpoint character To express his grief. Mm, Good point. Chewie had never been written that way really before. And we weren't really in a position to be able to develop him to the point where that would be expressed. To a certain extent, to try and develop Chewie as a character in that sense would kind of rob him of what makes him cool. Mm -hmm. So Chewie was the one that got tapped. As for Anakin dying, uh, I have to say... I never agreed with that decision. I, I did not want Anakin to die. I thought there was a lot of other really cool stuff that could have been done with Anakin, which is why in the two books that I did, I worked as hard as I did to characterize him and make him into a character that people would like because I was hoping secretly that, um, uh, that there would be some sort of a positive reaction to him and that that might spare his life. <laughs> There were lots of other stuff that I thought would have been way cool to be able to do with him, but um, but it didn't. And, you know, and I, I kind of felt sorry. I think it was Troy Denning who got, got to kill him off. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of felt sorry for Troy because I knew a lot of people really liked Anakin. Um, and then, you know, here, Troy had to go and whack him. So. <laughs> sorry about that, Troy.
4: <laughs> and, and what other ideas did you have in mind for Anakin?
1: Oh, what I would have loved to have done with Anakin is to... Have him and say you know some twenty-something-year-old daughter of Lando Calrissian and a couple of other characters, you know, some other Jedi Knight, and you know, uh, just you know, pull together a cast of sort of odd characters and be able to have them in the Millennium Falcon or another ship going out doing little missions and and you know, just kind of being a just kind of a being a, a Doom Patrol or you know, odd squad. (laughs) <laughs> uh, out there doing stuff. I mean, I thought it would have been perfect within what we were talking about, but you know, the powers that be did not. So,
4: well, pa- powers that be end up with the final word.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, look, they're the guys who pay the bills, you know, and and so they're uh, you know, you just play on the team. You don't you don't uh, you don't get the coach. So there you go. Okay.
4: <laughs> so we know that the NGO series had an evolving storyline but during the meeting where the story arc was decided, what were the original plans for the series?
1: Um, I actually don't think I can really divulge much of that, because I think it's still covered under a, a, a non-disclosure agreement.
5: Okay, the, uh, <laughs> the implant is throbbing again. There you go, yeah, the
1: implant is throbbing.
5: <laughs> we were so close, so close. <laughs> you
1: know, it's funny to say, the story arc did evolve, um, You know, I, and, and I think, obviously, because... I had helped plan what it was initially, and and I knew the reasons why we were planning what we were doing initially. I don't necessarily think that all of the changes and all of the evolutions were good, but again, out of my hands, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not omniscient, and I and I don't go without making mistakes. So, you know, the choices that was made may in fact have made it a superior product to, to what you know what I thought originally would have been, but that's. You know that is that is why those guys get paid the big bucks and and why uh, you know they're the ones who get to plan this stuff.
4: All right. Did you actually follow the series through, and what did you think of it in the end?
1: Uh, I, I I did not follow the series through, and and for one very simple reason that uh, those books I knew if if Lucas if Lucasfilm or well Del Rey ever came back to me to write more stuff I knew that I would have to read all of those books as research. And so, you know, they just sort of got piled up and mentally cataloged as research books. Okay. Um, when you're a working writer, probably 60% of what you do, 60% of what you read is for research. Very little, very little stuff gets read for pleasure. And so those things all sort of went under the research pile. But since I wasn't doing anything with Star Wars, I didn't have to research them right now. Uh, so I just didn't touch them. I mean, I've got them all sitting here. Del Rey was very nice to send them all to me. Uh, and, you know, someday when I have a free month, uh, you know, I'll come through and read them all and get caught up. <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, I've heard from people, and, and everybody seems to enjoy it. They seem to think that the series may have had a rocky start, but, you know, finished off pretty well, and that's cool.
4: Nice. All right. Uh, Dark Tide was supposed to be a trilogy with Onslaught, Sage, and Runes. What happened with Siege?
1: What happened with Siege was this, is that um, the the editor and I uh, had some creative differences, and we both basically decided that we would probably kill each other if we ended up working on a trilogy with each other. <laughs> so so we just changed the contract to a two-book deal. And, uh, and that was okay, because that ended up giving a book to someone else who wanted one, so um, that worked out as far as I was concerned. You know, the stuff that... Stuff that would have been in Siege, you really didn't lose anything. You lost maybe a couple of elements of some subplots, but there really wasn't anything. It, it all kind of got rolled into into ruins, So There was, you know, there's... there's. I know some people have wondered, you know, if, if I've got the manuscript of Siege sitting around here somewhere, uh, and no. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was... We had an outline, and, uh, you know, the, the really important elements of that outline got rolled into ruins, so
4: and there I was thinking that we might see something pop on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: well, there's, there's the word to any collectors out there. If you see a manuscript copy of, uh, of uh, Siege turn up on eBay, don't buy it. <laughs> Seriously enough, uh, the manuscripts, my original manuscripts for, uh, for Onslaught and Ruin are the only manuscripts I do not physically possess. Uh, I gave those away to friends of mine who were collectors. Okay. So there are two collections out there that each have a manuscript. Uh, one has got on flat, one's got ruined.
4: On cool. Wow. That's an interesting thing. <laughs> yeah. How did you like Ganner's fate in the NGO Syria being considered as a god by the Jews Vaughn?
1: Sorry, who was it?
4: Ga- Ganner. Ganner.
1: Oh. Interesting... That's an interesting approach. You know, he was a character, if I was going to go back and Ed, Ed, if I had been going to go back and to write more, he was a character that I really wanted to explore. Um, he was a character I had a lot of fun writing. And uh, so it's, it's cool that uh, that he rose to some prominence.
4: Basically. <laughs> That's cool. That's so, uh, you've recently discovered a little uh, internet gadgety thingy that's called podcasting. Yeah. And uh, what captured your interest about that new form of expression?
1: Well, what was very interesting about it was that uh, two summers ago, I bought an iPod. <laughs> and I started collecting and pulling down uh, from the net uh, old radio shows. And I've probably got about 40 gigs of old radio shows sitting here in the house. Ouch. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just tons and tons of stuff. But what I found about the old radio shows that I really, really enjoyed was that, because I travel a lot, um, you know, being on a plane and just having uh, radio plays or, you know, off the Internet, you can stream BBC stuff and capture it and uh, turn it into something you can listen to on your iPod, I found that was a much easier way than worrying about lugging around, you know, the latest hardback Uh, on a plane, and, uh, you know, you put your earphones in, and people don't talk to you, they don't bother you. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, it's, it's horrible isolating stuff, but by the same token, you know, being able to have, you know, a month's worth of radio plays to listen to while planes get delayed and stuff like that
6: Mm -hmm.
1: is is a really cool advantage. And it dawned on me that people would be looking for audio content. And so in in December of 2004... I actually recorded the first chapter of a novel of mine, uh, no, this is 2003, um, recorded the first chapter of uh, The Great Crusade, and made that available for my website. And I saw people pulling that content down, and I was getting ready to do the same thing for Secret Atlas, when I ran into the guys from Dragon Page,
6: mm-hmm. who live
1: here in town, and I, I'd done their show several different times, and we were at a convention, and they started talking to me about podcasting, and I'm going... Oh, my goodness, you know, this was what I thought, you know, the the value of this stuff would be. And so I I talked with them, and I realized that the secrets, which is this writing newsletter I had, had plenty of material that I could do a really simple podcast on. So after I talked to them, I started listening to podcasts and pulling material down, and, you know, pretty much like everybody in the world said, I can do that. (laughs) Um, And sat down and tried to do it. And it's tougher than it seems.
5: (laughs) Yeah, we know. (laughs) Um,
1: So that was, you know, that's what got me started. And I just, it's just amazing. You know, it's, it's one of those things when it's like a new door has been opened up into the world and you see something you never knew existed before. And it's a lot of fun, you know, talking to people now going, hey, do you know what podcasting is? Have you ever heard of it? And some people go, well, I've heard a little bit or some people know. The vast majority of people just don't know. And it's sort of like, hey, I know a secret you don't know. <laughs>
4: um,
1: and it's a very neat thing.
4: Cool. All right. Uh, you, were, you were talking about uh, the secrets earlier and the secrets interviews. Right. Uh, in the, it, within the new passion for podcasting, uh, you've actually included them in there. So what exactly are they about?
1: Well, the secrets is my how to write. Uh, podcast, and that's just 15 minutes a week, and it goes over some really basic stuff for anybody who wants to get started in writing, and the show is broken into three segments where the first segment, I talk about a particular rule of writing or a technique that uh, I learned about and find very, very useful, and the second segment, I try to deal with uh, questions from listeners, uh, things that they want handled, and then the very last segment, just some little uh, Fun stuff of finding, you know, obscure words and talking about how to use them or, you know, ideas that it might give you for stories and and, uh, that kind of thing. And I really do this as a, it's it's pretty much of an infomercial for my uh, writing newsletter. But it's all good stuff and it's free. Um, And I have no idea how many subscribers I've got, but, uh, you know, I put it out there every Monday. Then the idea was that I would take The Secret sort of as a brand name and do a couple other shows. So I have Forgotten Tales, which are little pieces of fiction that will be serialized or or done whole, and that's Secrets Present Forgotten Tales. And then there's also uh, uh, the Secrets Interviews, where I will end up talking to writers, not necessarily about their latest book, but about how they write and the experience of being a writer. Because what I find at conventions over and over and over again is people who would like to write expect writers to be able to tell them, this is the secret way. If you know this handshake, or if you bow every morning at dawn toward the sun and offer it, you know, Doritos and Diet Coke, (laughs) you'll become a writer. Um, And yet when you talk to writers and you listen to writers, you basically find out there is no one right way to do things. There's only a wrong way, and that is not to do it. But there's so many people that don't write because they're waiting to learn the right way, and it's like, no, you know, the way you learn to write is you just hack this stuff out, and so that's you know that's pretty much what my goal is there. I've got a, I've got a few other shows that I would I would love to do, um, but you know it's a question of how do I balance you know producing shows and actually getting my work done. So <laughs> um, as well, you guys know this can take over your life.
4: <laughs> totally. <laughs> Now I'll let you answer that, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, if I may make a suggestion for an obscure word sure. for the for the next secret, uh, flabbergasted. Okay. It's my it's my newest uh, my newest favorite word from the English language. All right. <laughs> I just love it. Speaking of flabbergastering the the, the the listeners of the show tonight, uh, you're here for one very big reason, very uh, important fact as well. Uh, and it's because tomorrow you're launching a new website called the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, aka com, and uh, we want to know what exactly is the mission, the contents, and the features of that website, how the project came to be, and who the heck is Blink?
5: <laughs> <laughs> Holy mackerel! That's
1: fun stuff. <laughs> um, I mean, you guys know that I come out of a, uh, I, I come out of a. Uh, a gaming background.
6: Mm-hmm. Yes. So,
1: you know, because of that, whenever you go out and you look at any phenomenon, you you try and figure out what the rules are and try and figure out how you can win. But one of the things that I noticed, uh, and I'm sure you guys have seen this too, when you go out to the different podcast directories, here I had a 15-minute show that was about writing instruction from a science fiction author. Mm-hmm. So you'd think that there would be a category like educational at every website or a category like science fiction at every one of the directory sites or, you know, places where, where I could logically place this show so anybody who is looking for that sort of thing could find it. Mm-hmm. Well, you go to one directory and the only place I can put it is science fiction, which is great, except the advice would work for anybody. And, you know, another place... All they've got is audio So that's kind of where it would have to go. And in another place, it's educational. So I was going, geez, you know, this is not very well organized. And as a result, you know, the podcasts that I would like to listen to, science fiction podcasts, things about comics and movies and entertainment, those weren't terribly well organized either. So it occurred to me that the best way for everybody in the science fiction field To be able to grow their audiences and, uh, to serve the people who wanted this material was to create a network. And so I was talking with, uh, uh, Kat Claiborne, a good friend of mine, and sort of, you know, said, hey, look, you know, this is, this is my idea. And just, you know, as you do with friends when you're brainstorming and your, 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 you know, your engine is running, Mm -hmm. just fire off all these sorts of ideas. And and the nice thing about Kat is she didn't say, okay, you're totally nuts. You know, <laughs> go 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 to go to a doctor. Get some you know get some Thorazine, uh, Go to sleep for a week. He said, "Okay, yeah, we can do this." And then I ended up talking with the guys at Dragon Page, and, and they're great, and they uh, have really been helpful in terms of suggestions, equipment, putting us in touch with programmers, and and literally aside from my shows being the first first shows that came in on the grid. Um. So what we've done is is and what our mission is is to find. ...good quality podcast that will appeal to the science fiction audience, whether it's how to write or things about words, all the way to audio dramas, to book reviews, to uh, opinion shows. The one thing that unites them is that everything that is going to be in the Sci-Fi Podcast Network are shows that science fiction fans will appreciate and enjoy. You know, we don't have every show uh, out there that's involved in science fiction just because, you know, we haven't had uh, enough time to be in touch with everybody mm-hmm. or to hear back from everybody. But one, one show I solicited, uh, you know, I got a quick note from the guy saying, sounds good, but I'm on vacation. You know, I'll talk to you in a week. <laughs> uh, and this, this sort of stuff just happens. So that's our mission, and I'm really happy you guys, I mean, here you've got a show where you just stream live, but I'm really happy you guys are willing to... Put together sort of a half hour best of shows and make that available because um, this is the the whole idea is that we'll expose our shows to an audience. They can come back, they can they can listen live with you guys, which will be really cool. Mm-hmm. Or they can go to your archives and they can pull uh, pull shows down, which will be really really neat. And it gives the science fiction fans uh, a place to go. Um, as for Blink, Blink is our mascot. <laughs> he is. He is, and you have to be careful because I am in the United States, so he's an illegal alien. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure now, you know, the, the Attorney General will be tapping in on this phone call. <laughs> uh, but he's an illegal alien who uh, happens to be from, you know, a planet far, far away. And uh, he's here in the United States, um, and he is our spokes alien. Mm-hmm. And if you go to uh, the sci fi podcast network.com uh, or T S F N dot com. You will see Blink right there, and there's even a little fact sheet about Blink that'll give you some of his background and uh,
4: A very interesting story. Was it written by you? Uh,
1: uh you know, since Blink doesn't have any hands, it's hard for him to write his story down <laughs> for him. Uh, so, so yes, I wrote his story down for him, but I am I am merely I am I am merely Watson to his Sherlock Holmes.
4: Uh, oh We love Blink, by the way.
1: Yeah, Blink, oh, Blink is so cool.
5: (laughs) He's like the best.
1: Yeah, Cat found Blink and it was like, okay, this is very neat. Uh,
5: Okay,
4: so now we're going to go into the more uh, diverse type of questions. Okay. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about the Decipher photo shoot with uh, Tim Zan and Shannon Bax and now McRandall uh, came to be? Do you have any anecdotes about this?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The way the photo shoot came about, it was actually really, really cool. Um, I was at, uh, Origins, I think it was, and I was talking to the guys at Decipher, and one of them said to me, hey, you know, Corin's going to be in the next set of cards. And he showed me a list to show me that Corin was on the next set of cards, and I, um, no, it was at Gen Con. It was, it was at Gen Con. Anyway. Uh, so he showed me this, uh, the list, and I noticed right near where Corin was in the list was Talon Card. And a little bit later, Shannon was at Gen Con, and I, I was chatting with Shannon, and she said to me, she said, you know, Tim Zahn would love to play Talon Card. I mean, he would just eat that right up. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to friends of mine at the Cipher, and I said, uh, hey, just thought I'd let you know, you know, Tim Zahn would love to appear as Talon Card. And I said, you know, if you wanted me to appear as Corrin Horn, heck, I'd shave my beard off. <laughs> oh. All right? And uh, and there was a reason for that. But but um, um, suffice it to say, when I got back to Phoenix, I called Tim and I said, by the way, you know, I just want you to know that I, I dropped this. I, I said this to the guys at the Cypher, so, you know, you might want to look at saving up your pennies because we might have to fly over to Virginia Beach, uh, you know, if they want to do the shoot. And uh, so then I got a call from Decipher. And and they said, hey, you know, we like this idea. We think we'd like to do this. And, and their big question, and they said, uh, you know, we'll fly you in. We'll put you up. And, you know, poor Tim and I have been figuring, oh, it's going to cost us about 1500 bucks to fly there, but what the heck, this would be fun. So, you know, we're already ahead of the game, right? They're going to fly us in, put us up. But their big question was, would you need a modeling fee? And I said, no, nah, I don't think that's necessary. Um, so they flew us in, put us up. We had a great time. Um, and the really funny thing about it was Tim wears glasses. And when he was getting made up, and Tim was really made up, <laughs> um, uh, you know, had a full wig and everything, he was being made up without his glasses. And so he had gotten a temporary camera, and we were taking, Shannon and I were taking pictures as he was being made up, Shannon and I were both laughing ourselves silly <laughs> because Tim was being utterly transformed from, you know, this nice, peaceful, you know, good looking but very sedate guy into a roadie for ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a total, total change. And poor Tim, because he didn't have his glasses, and because where this was being done, there wasn't a mirror, uh, there wasn't a mirror easily accessible. He would constantly be saying, "How do I look? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Why are you laughing? What's going on?" So, but it was it was very very cool. And so, you know, we got to do the photo shoot and hang out, and it was just a lot of fun. The other thing, which I have to say, was was kind of interesting, is that uh, at the next uh, the next summer, the cipher was very nice and had us in their booth to sign cards. And you would see two different types of fans who would come up to get the card signed. One type of fan had no idea who I was or who Tim was. Had no idea what relationship we had to these characters. Those guys just wanted the card signed because we were actors and we had played these characters and now they've got something they can lord over their friends. <laughs> and you know, you'd see no recognition behind their eyes. They didn't care. We were just pieces of meat. The guys who did know, it was so cool because they would just come up and they would be smiling and they would just be so happy to be in on this little joke that, you know, here it was, the authors, who looked nothing like the pictures on the cards, were really the people on the cards. And they love that stuff. So it was a lot of fun.
5: Cool. All right. Uh, Do you have any
4: comments about uh, Revenge of the Sith, the prequels? And how do you see the saga now has an entire whole?
1: You know, the saga as an entire whole is, is really kind of interesting. And I, I really wish, if, if I could have my druthers, what I would love for uh, George Lucas to do is every two or three years to anoint a particular director and have that director remake or make a new film set in that era. So we could see... I'll use Quentin Tarantino as an example, not that I would want to see a Quentin Tarantino Star Wars film. (laughs) But, you know, it would be interesting to see what he or uh, Robert Rodriguez or any of a number of other directors who've got a good grasp of story would do setting a story in that era. And I think it would be really cool, and I think the franchise could sustain a new movie every three or four years. So I think that would be a lot of fun. You know, the saga as a whole... I grew up with the, with the original three movies, and so those are always gonna be my Star Wars. And I think that these movies got off to a rocky start. I think that Revenge of the Sith is certainly the best of the three sequels, and like a lot of other people, I sort of list it as my third favorite of the films. Mm-hmm. I think it gets an unfortunate knock when people say, you know, Anakin went over to the dark side pretty fast. If you don't measure the film by the amount of time you spend in the theater, but you measure the film based on uh, Padme's pregnancy, the events in that film take roughly six months.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: And so if you judge his gradually getting turned to the dark side by Palpatine over six months, then it makes a lot more sense. Um, True. You know, do I have quibbles with the film? Sure. I mean, I think one of the one of the one of the weaknesses of the first three films is that the Jedi don't act like Jedi. How is it that Obi Wan, when he's on, on that planet there facing Grievous, can reach up and pull down a an, you know an, an air conditioning plant or whatever to squash a bunch of robots, mm-hmm. and yet he didn't have enough control over the Force that when these little round robots are chewing up his space fighter, he just didn't reach out and flick them off.
5: I never thought of that. (laughs) You
1: know, so it's it's a question of, you know, do the Jedi act like Jedi? And if you look at those first three films, repeatedly, aside from Qui-Gon, the Jedi do not act like Jedi. They don't use the Force the way you would expect someone who is accustomed to using the Force would use them. You know, and think about it. You know, would, would, would people use the remote control, or would, do they get up and change the channel on the machine? Mm-hmm. Of course they use the remote control. If you've got the force and control over the force that allows you to do things one way, a more efficient way, why would you do it any other way? Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that, that George Lucas was handicapped because of a change in his perception of the world, and there was a big change in the world from when the original movies were done and these were done. Mm-hmm. You think about the one scene in Star Wars that got changed uh, where Han Solo does not shoot first, where Greedo shoots first.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, 77, Han Solo shooting first, that was cool. Yeah. That was growing out of a movement in the movies, the anti-heroes, the spaghetti westerns and stuff. That was a very neat thing to do. But when you look 20, 30 years later, too much gun violence. And so having a hero who shoots first is not a good role model for people. Yeah. And I think in these new films, I think George also got handicapped with that, being too aware of the role model that these people would set. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. Out of the second film, out of Clones, I would have shot one of the scenes entirely different. If you remember the rescue scene where Anakin went in to get his mom, mm-hmm. uh, she dies in his arms. He carries her out, and then he, then he, he slaughters the Sand People because he's furious.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: I would have shot it in exactly. I would have shot it entirely differently. We would have begun with a shot of his mother being tortured by one of the Sand People inside one of the huts. You hear the hiss of the lightsaber. You hear the thump of the sand person's body. And then you see Anakin there, he's fleeing his mother. He says he's come to rescue her and everything like that. She tells him he's a good boy. And he carries her out, and he carries her out of that hut. The camera pulls back and pans back. And what you see is that all of the sand people are already dead.
6: Yeah, it's Coming
1: a- in, Anakin slaughtered all of them. That he had no prov- provocation, now, we still get his mother dying and, and all the problems that that particularly causes. But the difference in the way that shoots the scene is that it basically shows that there's, there's something, there's a screw a little bit loose in Anakin mm-hmm. that allows him to, to let his anger get the better of him mm-hmm. and that he doesn't think things through and that for him, slaughtering the sand people was the best solution which then you could see carry on to, you know, slaughtering of the Jedi is the best solution. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just think that that's a a difference in the presentation of characters. However, when you're looking at it from what lesson are kids going to take from this, and it's a question of are you shooting the films for kids or are you shooting the films for adults, then you have to have Anakin acting on the extreme provocation of his mother having died, Mm -hmm. and yet is still showing a certain amount of remorse and being tortured by killing it. Now obviously in my take on it, he would not have been tortured by remorse. So, you know, that's that's uh, that's just a that's just a difference. And it's a difference of time, it's a difference of you know, what Mr. Lucas's senses were about this stuff, and you know, it's his universe, he gets to call a shot.
4: Yeah. Okay, on to the next question. That was that was a really good explanation. Yeah? <laughs> uh did you read Matthew Stover's Revenge of the Sith novelization? Or nope. did, no, did, I didn't. I
1: didn't get a chance
5: Did you listen to the book?
1: Nope, I didn't get to listen to the book either.
5: Okay. You should, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. very good, amazing.
1: Oh, I, Matt, Matt is a great writer. I mean, I <laughs> loved his book Heroes Die. And I, was, I remember seeing him, at, uh, seeing him at a convention after I had learned that he had been brought into the Star Wars line. Mm-hmm. Do stuff, and he and I talked about it. And uh, I mean, I knew he was going to do a stunning job, and so I have been absolutely overjoyed at his being the one to, to do the novelization for the final book.
5: You will so much enjoy the movie more after having read uh, the novelization. Yeah.
1: Oh, very cool. Okay.
5: <laughs>
4: and, and listening to the 30 hours, the 13 hours audio book is just as enlightening.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Well, I may have to get that for my next long road trip. <laughs> so I drove over to Albuquerque, that would work.
4: <laughs> You're a big Star Wars fan, of course, uh, but do you still have the time to read the Expanded Universe comics and novels nowadays?
1: You know, I, I, I don't. Part of the reason why I don't read the comics, um, I don't have a comic book store anywhere near me. And, and working at home, I don't get out much. so literally the opportunity to go in and buy these things just isn't there Um, and again a lot of those sort of fall into the research things so uh, you know I just haven't
4: okay Uh, you probably heard the announcement from George Lucas about two Star Wars TV series that we'll hear in a couple of years right Uh, what are your expectations and what do you think will be the success of those shows compared to other franchises
1: oh I think those shows will be will be dollar successes, and I think that's because the folks at Lucasfilm are very bright, and they are capable of learning from the mistakes that other series have, uh, have made. I also think the way the market is changing, uh, such that we get broadcast series now appearing in DVDs, mm-hmm. gets people thinking about story arcs and how to put together dynamic stuff that I think will work out really, really well. Uh, so I think it's going to be possible to have some really strong stories, some really interesting characters, and, and have some good stories. I mean, wouldn't you have liked to have seen Revenge of the Sith done out over the space of 10 hours? Oh, yeah. You know, 10, 12 hours, whatever it is. Well, think about it. You know, minimum season for a television show is, what, 26 episodes?
5: Yeah. It's supposed to be 100 uh, episode for the Star Wars TV series. So.
1: Well, there you go. You know, I mean, just... I mean, heck. I mean that's gonna be that's just gonna be great. They've already got all the equipment to do this stuff. And I suspect if if George Lucas is as smart as I think he is, he's gonna be picking people who know the universe, who know how to write good scripts, and and getting them to be doing the input. I think one of the mistakes that gets made for a television series, and this is especially true of the next generation, is simply this. Next generation has Such an appetite for scripts that they were bringing in people who had never done science fiction and didn't know the Star Trek universe and asking them to write scripts. Which is why you have scripts that read like westerns, that read like detective novels, and that's just wrong. You know, to be faithful to what the fans want, to be faithful to the universe, I think you've gotta get, you have to have people do the research who know the universe, know it as well as the fans, and love it as much as the fans to be able to turn out really good stuff.
4: Cool. All right. Uh, we're going to go now into the questions from the from the chat and that we got through email. Sure. Uh, first, I'm going to go in the emails. Uh, we have the boys from Jedi Talk who wanted to extend a very nice uh, little high, and uh, they wanted to know if you missed Jedi Talk.
1: I, I do miss Jedi Talk. I, I was thinking about them the other day, as a matter of fact, as I was, Looking over and researching radio shows, and, and uh, you know they need to get in touch with me, and they need to be doing a podcast.
4: <laughs> well, we'll make sure to uh, give them the message. I'm sure they're listening to us tonight, or they will be listening to the archive. Cool. And uh, hopefully uh, they can uh, they can do something. But just for the record, light side or dark side?
1: Light side or dark side? Oh boy! I you know I. I... Probably would just kind of slide over onto the dark side, just barely. Just barely. Yeah. Yep.
4: Okay. Good to know. Uh Marty one wants to know uh, what did you think of the end of NGO.
1: The end of the NGO. Yeah. Because you know, I haven't read it, I don't really have a. I don't really have a firm firm opinion. I know everybody who's reading it seemed to have liked the ending, so okay. that that makes me feel good about it. This is one of the this is one of the tough things as a writer. You can always look at something someone else has written and say, "That's not the way I would have done it."
6: Mm-hmm. And the
1: important thing is for you to to realize that even though they did it in a different way, that doesn't mean that it's wrong or bad. Um, so someday I'll be able to go through those, and uh, I'm sure, pretty sure I'll enjoy them because, like the writers they had working on them, were really really good. So.
4: That's right. They they come on vacation and just go through them all.
1: That's that. Well, and when am I going to get a vacation? <laughs> <laughs>
4: When you're when you're retired in uh, in a few years.
1: Yes, there we go. Yeah, after I win the lottery.
4: That's right. So uh, Marty one also asked, would you like to see your X Wing stories turned into a t- into some TV episodes?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, I would love that. You know, I would I would even love even more. You know, the the folks calling me up saying, hey, why don't you come in and be a technical advisor, or why don't you come in and write some scripts? I mean, that would be a lot of fun. All
4: right. Would you have somebody in the background working on some uh, very obscure detail on next wing
1: Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, doing that sort of stuff, I, boy, you know, that was, what was great about the comics. You could do so many things because it's a, a visual medium that you just can't do in novels. Yeah. And so in TV and movies you would get to do that as well. <laughs>
4: uh, I've, just for research, well, Dix actually asks if for uh, if you've ever read any other uh, authors of the Star Wars expanded universe, and we guess you did for research at some point. So, who would be your favorites uh, thus far?
1: Oh, you know, I mean, the, the writers the writers that I enjoy that have written in that in that series, uh, Kathy Tires I like uh, Jim Lucino I like Matt, obviously Greg Keys, uh, Aaron Alston, um... Uh, you know, I'm blanking on blanking on the other authors, um, but you know, those are the guys that I've read the most of, and uh, uh, you know, those are the guys that I really like. I mean, they've got a they've got a good feel for the universe, and uh, they're they're just really good writers.
4: And since you didn't mention Troy, we'll blame it on Hannigan's death.
1: Well, no, <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, is that I mean, Troy is a good writer. I, I just have not read that much of Troy's work.
4: All right. Um... Another a question from Sarah Bazan, uh, would you be interested in writing for the new live action TV series? Sure.
1: So, you know Lucasfilm knows what my phone number is <laughs>
4: <laughs> blatant publicity blatant publicity
1: <laughs> you know it's not publicity it's, it's, when you're a freelance writer, you take whatever work you can get,
5: and when it's Star Wars, you know it's a an automatic yes well <laughs> almost
1: it, it's an automatic yes. Provided, you know, I can I can fit it in my schedule. I mean, I do have commitments for other stuff. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's, you do have to juggle it that way. But, yeah, if there's any way possible. Heck, I mean, I love the universe. And and the people at Lucasfilm were very, very good to me. And, and I love all of them. So, you know, getting a chance to work back there, you betcha.
4: All right. Uh, we got one from Bloodcat, which is actually more of a comment for you. Uh, your polling report was essential for the report he did in his uh, college composition final.
5: Oh, okay. good.
4: He ended up with a 4.0 for that class, and he's, he had to say thank you for all your research. And one last thing, go Clan Nova Cat.
1: Oh, yay. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, some more questions from Dix. Uh, who did you think the, uh, the Revenge of the Sith novel compared to the film, or vice versa? Since you haven't read it, you can't really... Judge on that just yet. Right. But you know what? You have to read it, and we'll get you back on the show so you can answer that question. Okay. <laughs> uh, another question from Dix. Are you a role player? If not, what made you write the pulling report?
1: Uh, yeah, I've, I've worked in the role-playing game industry for a long, 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 long time. I started with Flying Buffalo in 1979, and I freelanced for most of the companies. But uh, 1979 was when the anti-gaming hysteria began, and I had just entered the, entered the industry. And as it built, I was there in it, and when it finally came time to, uh, and the circumstances were right, to help defend gaming against that stuff, you know, I was more than happy to, to jump into the breach. And, uh, so that's how the polling report got written, and all the research got done, and, uh, it was, I mean, I was very glad that, that the polling report, in that time, right, in 89-90, is when, by and large, we shut down the religious right in their attempt to get role-playing games banned. Uh, and I'm very, very proud of that, uh, very proud of that campaign. And uh, Lauren Wiseman, who used to work for Game Designers Workshop, has worked for Steve Jackson Games, uh, was the guy who did tons of that research for me, and he's kind of the unsung hero in this uh, in this regard.
4: Okay, well, I'll, I'm going to have to ask, what is the Pulling Report?
1: The Pulling Report is a document that goes into all of the arguments with the religious right, uh, largely centered around a woman named Pat Pulling who had founded an organization called Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, this is, this is, uh, you know, my looking at all the things she said made gaming bad and explaining why they weren't true. And sort of examining the whole phenomena of people between radio preachers and policemen and Pat Pulling and others who were trying to make games out to be evil. Uh, why they were wrong, why they were incorrect, and what the positives were about games. You know, one of the things that people have said about games is that games make kids commit suicide. The fact is that the statistical and epidemiological evidence totally disproves that.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if somebody's going to commit suicide, this is really funny about it, just a brief digression, if going to commit suicide, they tend to be a loner, they tend to be a substance abuser, and they have poor problem-solving skills. Well, role-playing gamers are not loners. They are not substance abusers, unless you count Doritos. (laughs) And for fun, they do things that make them solve problems. That's right. They enhance their problem-solving skills. So just by those risk factors that researchers have found about suicide... Gamers largely take themselves out of the group of people, of their peers who are going to commit suicide. Indeed. So, you know, this is the, uh, you know, this is the sort of stuff. And the claims that they made about the number of people who've killed themselves and the number of crimes stuff just weren't true. And uh, so I did the research and did work to prove that and produced the polling report.
4: All right. Very good job. I mean, it's like if someone was to say video games will make you suicidal and was basing their study on the fact that some kid killed himself after losing his character in Star Wars Galaxies. Right. (laughs) So it's almost the same thing.
1: And, And what it boils down to is this, is that parents who don't understand what their kids are doing and something tragic happens to the kid blame the thing that they don't understand. You know, if a kid who was always working on cars who had, uh, you know, the frame of his car fall apart, killed himself, no one would blame it on his being a car enthusiast. All right. But if a kid who plays games has a lousy game and kills himself, all of a sudden it's the game's fault. That's it. And it just, it doesn't make any sense. And so part of the polling report was just kind of point out, guys, this is not how the world works.
4: So... I'm going to have to get my hands on it.
1: <laughs> uh, you can. Just do a, go up to Google and search on my last name and the polling report, P-U-L-L-I-N-G. <laughs> it was written in 8990, and uh, while all the information is dated, those are the same arguments that get trotted, trotted out every so often when a, a local preacher decides that you know this town is not big enough for his church and a
4: local game store. All right. Well, Danny's already got his end on it, so I'll get the link from him. Well, there you go. I can invite him to actually put it in the chat right I now. I already put it in the chat. Okay, he's faster <laughs> Thank than you, me. Brian. <laughs> uh, another question from Dix. Uh, is the goatee really necessary as a writer? I remember some comments from Mr. Zan about your beard.
1: Uh, well, if you want to be successful, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, we, we joke a lot about that. But, uh, and poor Aaron Olson. Uh, you know, first it was that we had to all have, uh, goatees. And then Tim and I went to Australia. And, and Tim and I both have opal rings. Black opal rings. And, uh, the last time I went to Australia, I was gonna buy a black opal for Aaron. So he could get one made into a ring. But in between my first trip and my second trip, the Japanese had developed a passion for black opal. <laughs> and so prices just went through the roof. And I like Aaron a lot, but not that much. <laughs>
4: All right. Uh, well, it's almost it's almost time to end this uh, this interview. Uh, we had a great supper while you were in Montreal for the World Fantasy Convention uh, back in 2001. Do
1: oh, ha- I remember it well. Thank you.
4: Do, do you have any memories of your trip, and uh, still have some souvenirs that we gave you?
1: Yes, yes, I do have souvenirs that you gave me. Uh, I still have the bottle from the maple syrup, and uh, I've got the maple syrup liquor still here. So yes. Yeah. I may may even have that bottle of cider somewhere around.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Product from Quebec. (laughs) Here
1: we go. Here we go. Who knows? I I may be back in Quebec uh, sometime next year, as a matter of fact.
4: Oh, Oh. well, let us know. It will be our pleasure to have you around again.
1: All right, that would be great.
4: (laughs) Make sure you read the the Revenge of the Sith novel by then.
1: I I certainly will. I certainly will.
4: (laughs) So, beside the the Sci Fi Podcast Network. Uh, are there any new projects on the horizons? Any novels on the way?
1: There are um, there are some projects on the horizon. Unfortunately, because I haven't signed any contracts for them yet, I can't say anything about them. Hmm. Never, I literally, today, I signed a non-disclosure agreement on one project. Uh, but yeah, there should be some really exciting announcements coming out a little bit later in the summer. So um, no. come by uh, the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, because I'm certain that we'll have some news about about some of that stuff, and um, so, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fairly cool. So, you know, I've got, uh, basically, uh, what I have on the horizon is enough work to take me through at least 2007, uh, oh. and uh, we'll see what happens uh, from there. And? The movie cells, um, you know, I could have a whole new career doing movies and stuff,
6: <laughs>
1: but this is what's a lot of fun, and what I really enjoy about what I do is... You can look at something like podcasting or look at something like movies or TV or comics or all those things, and you can figure out things to do, and you get to play in areas you've never played before. And it is just tons of fun. Uh, Before before you guys called me, I was talking with uh, Brian Polito because we were looking at, having finished this one script, what we're going to do next. And we started talking about podcasting and knocking around some ideas for something we might be able to do there. And so it's really cool. When you're doing a job that... Allows you to be creative, and that really clicks in. It is the best ever.
4: All right. Cool. Um, without spoiling anything, without actually uh, infringing your NDA, yeah. d- did you sign it with Delray? No. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> at, at least we tried. <laughs>
1: oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, you tried. No, believe me, you know, if if yeah, you know, I think if Del Rey had signed me to do some more Star Wars stuff, um, you know, that would have been a they would have made that announcement, they would have let folks know. Of course. Um, you know, so and like I say, you know, I'd love to go back and play in the Star Wars universe again. You know, when they need me or if they want me, uh ah, they know where I am.
4: Since since you've actually already touched the character of Ala Secura, would you like to uh to to work with her again?
1: Uh yeah, though, you know, I think her career kind of ended kind of
4: quickly.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, doing more stuff playing there, or even just playing with uh, Neysia Halcyon and, and um, you know, uh, Elegost and stuff. I and mean, that would be a lot of... Um, uh, playing, a, playing around with those characters again, um, that would be a lot of fun. I mean, that was a cool era, and I would love running around in there.
4: Cool. All right. Well, back in 2001, Danny actually made you record this... From his car, if I remember well, yeah, uh, but we have a new liner uh, for the Star Wars on direct show, and uh, I, I, I think that he sent it to you by email
1: um, he may send it to me by email, unfortunately, I am not at the machine where he sent it to me
4: it's okay it's just basically as simple as hi, this is Michael Stackpole, author of the NGO geology Darktide and x wing series, and I jedi and I jedi. And you are listening to Star Wars on
5: Direct. Or you could go uh, multi-authors or whatever. (laughs) Author of multi-era in Star Wars universe. (laughs) Right.
4: Uh, Well, I
1: will... Let's let's give it a go here. This is Michael A. Stackpole, the author of the X-Wing series, I, Jedi, and uh, Siege and Onslaught of the New Jedi Order. And you are listening to Star Wars on Direct.
5: That's good. We can take another one just in case.
3: Okay. If, instead, if you want to do the iPod or the uh, podcast yeah, yeah. network, yeah, you can
5: do the podcast. Yeah. All
1: right, all right. Well, I'll do one. I'll do one for that too. Okay. Uh, this is Michael A. Sackpole with the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, and you are listening to Star Wars on Direct.
4: That's good. That's perfect. So, thank you very much for being with us, Michael. It was uh, it was a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show.
1: Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you, guys.
4: And, uh, of course, we invite everybody to go check out the Sci-Fi Podcast Network at www.tsfpn.com. There we go. And this almost sounds like a sports network. (laughs) That
1: was one of the reasons we went with it, because everybody understands that SPN thing, you know, it just works.
4: That's right. So, uh, we hope we'll be able to talk to you very soon in the future. And uh, on on this note, we'll let you go.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks.
4: Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Wow. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I mean, come on. TSFPN.com. do Joe. I, mean, I can see it from here. <laughs> if, you dodge dodge, if you can dodge a dodgeball, you cannot dodge any audio, an audio book. <laughs> so, uh, that was an interview with Michael A. Stackpole live on Star Wars Thunder Direct. Thank you very much for everyone who was with us in the chat. So, who's with us in the chat right now? We
3: have Bloodcat Cat, Sarabison. Dix, Edna, Jungo, uh, and Raven.
5: We had Dark Jedi and other... We had
3: Dark Jedi. Uh, we have lots of people today, but my screen just eats up whatever happened in the chat, so I lose most of them. <laughs> There's also uh, Jedi Jane. Yeah, that's, that's true. not in the list for some weird reason, according to my computer. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
4: Uh, but, you know, Mac Macs are so much yeah, better. Yeah, that's
3: because it's made for... It's a PHP right chat thing. Yes,
4: yeah. <laughs> blame it on PHP. <laughs> well, just before we go off uh, to the ending of the show, I want to come back on the uh, last last on uh, the last show, Star Wars Revelation. We asked some people to send us short reviews and uh, and uh, stuff like that for the Revelation show we're gonna have uh, next week on June 28. And uh, Martin P- T Piero, as known as Mark T-1, who's in the was in the chat earlier. Yeah. He's not there any- he left anymore. Now. Yeah. So Marty one actually won a set of three stickers from uh, the Trilog- Dead, trilogy, and a book by Michael A. Stackpole. Ooh. Since he was a guest on today's today's list, and right. uh, since you know I could go with a Star Wars book, but I want to uh,
5: expand his work. Man. I want to
4: expand his horizon. I'm gonna I'm gonna send him the Dark Glory War, which is uh, the prequel kind of book to the Fortress Draconess series, uh, which was a very good series. So Nice. There you go. So the next show, as I was saying, is going to be on June 28, 2005. But today, ladies and gentlemen, is not only Danny's birthday, that's yeah. right, he's the birthday boy, but it's also Bloodcat, Bloodcat's birthday in the chat room, so everybody, happy, happy birthday. birthday, Bloodcat. Yes. So the next show will be on June 28th, if you've got somebody's birthday coming up, just let us know. We'll say, Hi, this is Star Wars on the Happy birthday to you, man. And uh, it's going to be on Revelations, the second part. Basically, reviews. And how should we categorize Star Wars fan film nowadays? Uh, should this, the, the Star Wars f- official fan film
5: contest actually review as rules? Yeah, as or uh, since the, the technology is so high, how you can separate the. Professional fan film from the uh the amateur fan film. Yeah, the uh, gar- not, not garage days fan film, but you know backyard fan films. <laughs> hey, Mac has a Mac has
4: a software called is not it Garage Garage Band, garage Band for the uh, music software. So. Okay, maybe they come up with something like Garage Film. iMovie, <laughs> but low key.
3: iMovie is for low key
4: shit. Okay. Oh. It's the Mac equivalent of uh, of uh, Windows XP uh, Movie Maker. No, there's no equivalent. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> especially not in the, in the Windows world. So, if you have any comments on the show or that you would like to make any suggestions for upcoming subjects, please send an email to studio at swendirect.com. dot com. If you would like to be a partner or a sponsor, yes. Oops. Send an email, but my. Oh, <laughs> you can also leave a message... <laughs> if you have a comment to make on the show. You can also leave a message on our blog at StarWars.com which can be found at www.blogs.starwars.com SWD. To be a partner or a sponsor, you can send an email to info at If you like the show, we suggest that you talk about it around yourself. Word to Mouth is the best publicity we can have by our listeners. You Can bring a friend to the next show because it's nice to share this experience with other people, and it proves that you're not a loner. You can also add your URL to your message board our URL to your message board signatures, etc., etc., etc. Let's now take a second to thank our sponsors: FederationToys.com, Slideland.net, and our web host, Simple-Net.ca. Sci-Fi Podcast Network at tsfpn.com. The partners Galactic Hunter, Keeping Collectors on Target, Hannikin and His Fanfiction SW Redemption can be found at swredemption.com. Furry conflict, con, Conflict.com, where you can find Trek Wars, the Furry Conflict Audio Drama, Millennium Falcon, Nerf-Erder-Anonymous.net, the largest collection of Star Wars references and actors. And, of course, T-Bone Star Wars Universe and the Galactic Senate Message Board available at StarWarsWithZ.com and StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars Fan Audio. All these links are available in the partners sections of our website. And uh, we also want to remind you that the producer has officially
5: changed the message board. Not yet. Not no, yet? That's, that's what I was going to say. Oh, Okay go it's like producer word. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Basically we will still post the announcement on the Galactic Senate because that's the home of stuff. you know the, the forum for fan audio mm-hmm. and there's most people liking fan audio go there but uh, since the uh, sci-fi podcast network just ga- just open uh, a forum for us we'll we will be using it to you know Posting a thread for each, each show So people can Actually get,
4: also add questions And, yeah, comments, and in there. Give
5: comments in there And we read them Directly on that board uh, And of course uh, Email also We will, we will keep the uh, comments by email So go to the TF- TFSPN.com And just register to the Message board And uh, go into uh, The Star Wars on Direct Forums basically. And uh, if we're, if we're uh, enough people, we can have a group there. So, uh,
6: That's <laughs> All our staff
5: and listeners, uh, if we can uh, go there and have enough people, you know, you never know. So uh, go there, we're trying to get something going. Since I, I'm not planning on doing our own forum, we will use the, theirs. Okay. And also...
4: We could have the Star Wars Sound Direct passes over there. Yeah.
5: If you want to (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also uh, uh, A reminder that We have a podcast now This show uh, Dix will be uh, Working on it So it should be Available in a couple Of days uh, On an abridged Version So It's an high quality Stereo uh, High quality Version Uh, We don't uh, put the old show in uh, in podcast form in stereo because it's it's a killer on bandwidth. So we're just going to do an abridged version, and it's necessary to be in the podcast network. So we'll, we'll do a podcast. It's it's basically a teaser for people to come up and listen to us live.
4: Sure, that's right. And If you want us to actually put the pod, the, the the old shows in podcasts as well, feel free to donate on PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll see what we can do (laughs) So for all the people here At the uh, Star Wars on the Rec Studios For Danny and Brian This is Sebastian saying see you next time On Star Wars on the Rec the voice of Star Wars Fandom
0: This show has been brought to you By SimpleNet Webmasters, online gamers or administrators Of e-business At SimpleNet, we will always have a solution to meet your needs. You were listening to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. Be sure to visit www.lswonzehek.com for more information about upcoming shows. Galactic Hunter, the place where you can find the latest Star Wars collectible news from all around the world. From the Hasbro and tenor lines of action figures, to comics, games, prompt collectibles, and events, everything is covered and reviewed. Join our fan community in the Bounty Hunter Collective Forums and find all your bounties at www.galactichunter.com. Galactic Hunter, keeping collectors on target.
2: StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars Fan Audio on the Internet. It's your home for Star Wars Fan Audio Genre News, a comprehensive catalog of fan-made Star Wars radio shows, parody tales, and serious audio dramas. With behind-the-scenes features, a message board, reviews, tutorials, convention coverage, an internet movie database-style directory of the entire Star Wars fan audio community, and the only fan audio community recognized Star Wars Fan Audio Academy Awards held each year. StarWarsFanWorks.com. Fandom has a whole new sound.
1: This show is part of the out-of-this-world entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network.
0: TSFPN.com.
6: Sir, if you'll not be meeting me, I'll close down for a while.